0: Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at Now here's the message. Hey guys, um, does anybody know our core values here at Cobblestone? Hmm? No? Come on guys. I'm just kidding. Um, at, you know, as elders, we made eight core values probably about a year or so ago. Um, and they're really good. It's kind of like guardrails as a church, where we want to go, how we want to get there, the way we want to stay in between things, if you will. Um, And number two is focused on our pursuit of the Word and Spirit, or the Word and the Spirit. We will be a people who are both taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua one So as elders, that's a big deal to us. And because that, that's number two, and it's a big deal to us, and we ask Kristen to not do the announcement, I'm doing the announcement on our conference that's coming up here. So as you can see, March 11th and 12th, we have a guy named Jack Deere coming out It's two days. It's Friday and Saturday, um, and he's coming out to teach us to talk with us. And I wanted to uh, kind of like talk about it a little bit, you know, not just be like, "Hey guys, we got a conference, come check it out." Kind of wanted to shepherd in front of it a little, and I think there'll be some shepherding on the back end of it as well. I think that's what we do here as elders, right? Um, so, if you have a Bible, turn to First Thessalonians chapter five. Earth's. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want you to read with me uh, 19 through 21. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And so, guys, what we're really feeling like as elders, we believe Jack is a healthy uh, direction in this path of taught by the Word, led by the Spirit. We, as elders, actually, believe it or not, have all agreed on this. We started out the year with fasting and prayer, and this just so happened. And it was a little, felt a little fast because Jack's in Cincinnati, so it happened to happen in March. But as elders, we feel like this is an opportunity for us as a church to step in a direction or continue, in my opinion, in the direction that we believe that the Lord has called us to go. Um, So if I'm honest, I read the book. As elders before, we said, hey, let's get this guy out here. Let's be good elders. Let's read this book. Let's pray. I don't know Jack Deere. I know Michael Miller, who is actually apprenticeshiped or served underneath Jack in some capacity, but I do not know Jack. So (laughs) I don't know Jack right? So anyways, you're like, amen. We know that, dude. Um, (laughs) Anyways, there's this thing as a church, if if I'm 100% honest with you guys, that we get a little nervous when we bring outside people to come in. And I will say this, I think you should get a little nervous. As an elder, I really think you should. I think, I get a little nervous. You're our people. I'm an elder. I, it's very scary to me to put people in front of you, put their teachings in front of you. And I don't do that lightly. And I don't do that willy-nilly. And, and as elders in our elder team, we pray, we seek God's face, and we're really guiding, uh, asking the Lord to guide us in this. Um, there's some things that, that, if I'm honest, and I read the book, that make me a little nervous with Jack. In all the good ways. Like, and there's some things that challenged me. And there's some things where I say, oh, that's so good. And so I'm going to go to this conference. I'm going to be there with the spirit of Thessalonians where I don't want to quench the spirit. I'm going to be there because I don't want to despise prophecies. I'm going to be there to test everything. And my invitation to you guys as our church, bring that spirit to this conference. It's okay. We want to grow together. We want to learn together. We want to understand what God has for us. And, and, and Jack has a history in a ministry of healing and prophetic and some of those things that make, if I'm honest, some of you guys, when we start talking, when we start talking supernatural stuff, we start talking prophecy, we start talking healings, demons, um, tongues, things of those natures, you're like, no way, I'm out, right? Right? I know, I got friends like this. And it's like, but I'm encouraging and challenge you as an elder that this conference is the place to bring that stuff, to bring your worry, to bring even some of your doubts. I would say bring it humbly and bring it with a spirit of, Lord, do you want to speak to me in this? Bring your friends that are like, no, I don't want to be, a, if, they, if they're willing to come, let them come. It's an invitation, guys. It's like, we're not trying to force anything down anybody's throats. And what I hear about Jack, he's not that guy. So I don't, I don't think that's the road this is going to go down. But once again, we will be Thessalonians. We will act like they did in their day and do what we do. Some, some of you just need to trust that the Lord is leading in them. For others of you, you're like maybe maybe more from my past. You're, you're like, you guys quench the spirit all the time here. And we want more, we need more. And, and I would encourage and challenge you to come to this thing and say, maybe there needs to be some boundaries on some of these prophecies. Maybe there needs to be, of course, there needs to be scripture attached to these things. And honestly, guys, that's what I felt when I read the book, uh, prayed over the book. And as elders, we feel like this is a healthy place. And I think Jack can help us understand who we are as cobblestone and where we wanna go. I do, but I would ask you to pray. I would ask you to seek the Lord. Don't feel forced to come. Uh, it's going to be, if you can register, it, I think today's the last day you can register for 25. If you wait, it'll be 35. If you don't wanna pay and you don't have the money, I'll be honest with you, just put it on my tab. <laughs> You're like, do you have a tab? I do now. So just say, Jeremiah is gonna cover. I mean it. I would pay for you. I, I would hate for anybody to say, I'm not, I, the, now, because I will invest for you for you growing in this stuff, because that's how much I believe in it. I really believe that. Um, So, you know, whenever you sign up on the kiosk, it's set up out there. If you want to go, go be a part of that. I think I'm saying all the things. I had, announcement part's always like, did I say everything I needed to say? Okay, I think I did. All right, now, I do want to get into the word a little bit. Um, But I wanted to read my journal, even in this, because you're going to see as I talk, I'm going to talk about leadership. I'm going to talk about elders. I'm going to talk about submitting and so on and so forth. Um, and this is, you guys know, I started this last year where I started writing and pr- writing prayers and kind of a prayer journal. Um, so first, this is what I wrote on January 3rd, 2022. And, and I'm just going to read some of my thoughts and prayers for you guys, for myself Uh, 1 Peter 5, 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Examples. We're gonna go into that today. This is my prayer. Lord, my role in this body is bigger than me. I can't even begin to do this task without you. Lead me, lead the elders, lead our leaders. 2022, teach us, show us your will and kingdom, have your way. Lord, fill our church with people you've brought, willing to serve, gather, grow, teachable and humble. Lord, fill our church with people willing to be led, those in our charge. Guard us from wolves, divisive and religious people. Bless cobblestone with your presence and will being done. Amen? That's my prayer. That was my prayer before Jack was coming out. That's my prayer if Jack's a weirdo. I'll just be honest. That's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer. I'm an elder here, and I take this very seriously. My fellow elders take it very serious, what we're doing and how we're getting there and what God's doing through us. We love you. I want you to hear that. Whether you agree with everything that I I stand for or you, we can have this. I love you. We love you. We love you. Some of you just need to hear it. You're loved at cobblestone. And then Kristen's announcements makes a lot of sense. Those Q&As, it's us trying to love you, help you with your doubts or your arguments, or even you were raised in this, this denomination or that denomination, and you have this view, you have that view. We love you. We want to talk about it and work it out. We want to help you. Even if it's peace and out and you go a different way, we still want to love you. All right, let's pray. Lord, I would ask that you would help my message make sense. Father, I would ask that you would do the work that uh, I cannot do. You are the heart changer. You are the convictor. You are the Lord God Almighty, and it is a privilege and an honor to get up in front of people and teach, talk, and share. Father, I trust that you have given me a word here for our church. I trust, Lord Jesus, that you are going to open the ears of us in here to hear, to listen, and to receive. Father, I trust that you are going to just squash every bit of a, a demonic attack or anything, any distractions, that you would just help us to listen. To listen and to, to, to obey and to trust you. Jesus, it's, a, it's, it's so cool to get to serve you. Hard, but it is beautiful and I thank you for it. And Jesus, we ask these things that you show up in your name. Amen. So if you got a Bible, which hopefully you did because you're already in Thessalonians, uh, turn to Mark, that's our reading plan. This past week, I think we were in about five chapters, because it's a chapter a day, and then we take off for the weekend. I think it started on Valentine's Day, uh, Mark 3, I believe is where it started. And so my message today is I'm just going to, there's a few things in the reading plan that I want to just kind of set before you and let you guys think about, let you guys ask some questions of your walk, of where you're at, and what God wants to do. And the first one is, is, comes to Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and he called to him those who he desired. I could still hear pages turn, so I better take my time. ACC, I'm taking my time. Yep. I've been told I go too fast. Get excited, guys. All right. That's enough time. <laughs> they came to him and he appointed 12, whom he also named Apostles. So that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach, to have authority, to cast out demons. Um, He appointed the 12, Simon, and so on. And then he goes through the names. And we don't need to go into that. Um, First point is this. There's three simple points. First simple point is this. Uh, Jesus appoints. Jesus himself appointed these guys. There was probably 100, maybe 200, if not more, people following Jesus, listening to his teachings, following his instruction, and so on and so forth. And out of that group, he decides to pick 12 people. He decides to appoint 12 guys who are called the apostles, right? And, and, and so you're like, you're like me, you're like, that's interesting. Number one, why 12? Just a fun little fact. 12 is basically because there's 12 tribes of Israel, right? You go back in the Old Testament, and Jesus is, remember, he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He, that all pointed to him. And this is just another way that Christ has like established himself over the law and that he is the truth, he is the way, he's, the, he's, he's, he's God. He was then, he is now, right? And so he picks 12 guys to represent that. And so just one more way to do that. So apostle means a messenger or authorized representative. So they're a messenger or authorized. So God picks them specific or a specific task, okay? Now, there's an invitation going out. I didn't say this first service. I'll say it to this service. There's an invitation in John 3:16 for you to be picked. And if it, it goes in this situation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you receive Christ, then you are picked, okay? no, it sounds crazy, but it is. Now, check this out. If you love Jesus in this room, Jesus has picked you for something. Jesus has good works for you to do. You may not be called to do what I do or what the person next to you, but I promise you every person in here that following Jesus has a purpose. You were picked. And and, and we have this tendency to say, I'm useless or whatever. No, when you receive Christ, he has a purpose. And I want to ask you, are you feeling like you live with a purpose? Do you feel like you live commissioned? Go into all the world. Do you feel like uh, since you became a Christian, you're on mission some way, shape, or form? Right? These are questions that I want you to ask yourself. And if not, then why not? And and, and I'm gonna go into this and then maybe we can kind of help solve some of those questions. Okay? But you're called. I'm called. We have purpose. I also wanted to talk about the apostles for a quick minute before I go into the second point. Uh, why them? You ever thought about it? Why those goofballs? They weren't goofballs. They're were awesome guys, but well, sometimes they were goofballs. Um, why them? Were they, were they famous? Were they influential? Were they rich? Were they, did they have already like these great big crowds? No. They faltered in their faith. You see that in scripture. Their talent, they were, I don't think they were very talented guys. It wasn't like they were necessarily great speakers or great leaders or or great influencers. They didn't have social media accounts. I don't even think they could be considered influencers. (laughs) They were regular guys. Thank you, three people like that. They were regular guys with regular jobs, weren't they? They didn't have great leadership. They were just regular guys living regular lives, and Jesus gets a hold of them and does magnificent things through them. The only thing I think, I think this is the big idea. The thing that, that they had in common is their willingness to leave everything and obey. I really do. I think if you could—I think if there's an argument to be made, that's the argument to be made. They were willing to lay their lives down and say, yes, Jesus, in every area of their life. Not just a little bit here, a little bit there. Well, you're the Lord of this and you're the Lord of Tuesday and Wednesday, but you're not the Lord of Thursday and Friday. These guys let go. These guys gave up. These guys said, yes, Jesus, in every form and fashion. And I think that you see that. And so that is where there's so much beauty that comes into their life. And let me say a couple things in love. Luke 14, 13 says, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus said that. Half committed isn't committed at all. Kind of a Christ follower is not a follower. It's hard. I know when we hear these things we're like, "Oh, listen. To be a disciple, you got to be all in. What is contending for your all in? What's fighting for your submission? What's fighting you or resist making you? What do you have to let go of to say yes, Jesus? I'm tired of writing my own life. I want you to write it." What is the Holy Spirit putting his finger on this morning telling you to crucify that? To let that go? Is it a career? Is it a relationship? Is it money? Is it is it something simple? Is it, is it, I see this sometimes in moms and praise God for moms that love their kids, but is it being so possessive of those kids? And God's like, trust me with them. There are things, good things get in the way of being God's disciples. They really do. So what is it today? What is the Holy Spirit putting his finger on in you and in your life and in my life where he says, don't, be careful of that. Be careful of that. Talk with him, pray with him. Do the David prayer, search me, Lord, and see if there's any wickedness inside me, right? Pray that prayer, ask those questions. Allow people in your life to call you out. What do you see? When you look at me, do you see a person that's fully devoted to Jesus? A great place to be, it's a humble spirit. All right, that's first point. Jesus appoints, Jesus calls. Second point is this, Jesus sets the example. Jesus sets the example. Look over a mark, just keep up. Flip a couple pages over, Mark chapter five, Mark 5, 21. I yelled at a guy, first service, it was wonderful. And then I had to call him afterwards. He came, a real close buddy of mine, I love him. God's been doing a wonderful work in his life. And he came and I saw him and I'm like, I pointed him out, I said his name, and in between services, I like, that was probably not a very nice thing to do. And I need to call him and apologize just in case, you know, he's kind of closed, Like, you know, one of those guys, like he's a guy, guy kind of thing. And I thought, oh, I probably just offended him like crazy. And he said, no, it was good. I, I actually needed that. And I'm like, you needed me to point at you and call your name in front of all the church. I'm like, but I did. And God is good. So, and I did it in between these, these flipping these pages. So I see you guys and I won't say your name, but I see you. Um, Mark 5, 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, that's how I pronounce it, uh, (laughs) by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Okay, now Jesus goes and the woman with the issue of blood touches him and it's a beautiful story. Read it, study it, learn it. But for today, skip on down with me to 35. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. Make a note of this. I underlined it. Notice who he picked. He had, remember, he had hundreds, then 12, now three. Hundreds, 12, then three. He's doing something. He's building something. It's not by accident. Jesus isn't just picking his best friends who actually know, you know, play basketball with him or something. He's picking guys for, for a purpose, okay? And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but sleeping, right? And we'd all be like, come on, Jesus. And they laughed at him. They laughed at him. And he put them all outside. Notice what he's doing. I want you to pay attention to what's happening here. He put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was, okay? Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, kumi," Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. What a beautiful picture of our Lord. What a beautiful picture of who he is and what he can do and what he does do and what he did do. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Amen? Jesus, give me something to eat, right? All right, now I want you to switch over. I want you to see something. Remember, this is all under the topic of Jesus sets the example. Now turn to Acts chapter nine, verse 36 with me. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Give you a second to get there. All right, Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Now time has gone by. Christ teach, taught, did everything. He got beat up. He died on the cross. He ascended. The Holy Spirit's come. We're in Acts now. Peter's still working. Peter's still serving the church and leading um, in charge in some level, okay? So there's a time period that's gone by. I don't know. I don't know exactly what time to tell you. Maybe 10 years, maybe less, maybe more, something like that. Decent amount of time, okay? So here we are, and now, 36 says, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Okay, kind of a, a, a ceremony, a funeral, if you will. Since Lydia and was near Joppa, the disciples hearing that Peter was there sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. When he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics, other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. Now listen, I want you to notice that the teaching that Christ did to Peter as you're gonna to start to see this in here. Verse 40, but Peter put them all outside like Christ did and knelt down and prayed, And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. Right? Jesus said, the little girl, arise. You see the similarities? She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up, called the saints and the widows, and presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon a Tanner. Now, I want you to see that Jesus wasn't just not bringing James, John, and Peter into his inner circle for no reason. I believe he was teaching, he was giving him an example. I believe when Peter went into this room, Heather and I talked about this this week. In fact, she's kind of the one that found this out. I believe the similarities are not like protocol, but example. I believe Peter saw Jesus do this however many years or whatever before. And so Peter goes into this room at this, uh, of Dorcas and he's like, and I think even when he got down on his knees next to her bed, and this, this is my thought, I wonder, I just wonder if Peter didn't go in there and he said, Lord, I remember you healed Jairus' daughter. I know you can raise dead people. I watched you. And will you raise this wonderful woman up? And I believe that the example Jesus gave Peter is the reason Peter walked like Peter walked. And I know there's anointings and I know there's callings and I know that there's giftings and I understand all of that. But I'm telling you in the midst of all that, there's examples. Jesus sets the example for Peter. Let me ask you church, who's your example? Who's your example? Who do you follow? Who does your marriage look like? How do you handle your money? We, we, we get this with everything in life. Like, like for me getting out of debt, I follow Dave Ramsey's stuff. And it was my example because he said it in front of me. So I did it and I saw fruit. But sometimes there's this like disconnect when it comes to Christianity, because we get this idea that who are you or who are they or who are those to lead me? Who's your example, church? Who do you follow? Who do you listen to? Who do you see? Who do you rub elbows with? And we have a tendency to make it so like, I got got my favorite preacher, but is your favorite preacher, does he know you? Does he call you out? Chances are your favorite podcast guy, you will never know, right? He can't be an example. Who's your example? Who's your example? Who are you looking to? Who are you you saying, am I handling this right? What do I do here? I I wanna look up. Now, let me ask you this. Church, who's looking to you as an example? Who's looking to you as an example of Christ? Who's watching you at work? Who's watching you at home? Who's watching you on the street? Who's watching you, how you behave, how you respond, how you act, how you talk, how you walk, how you handle? Who's watching you? This is too big of a deal to ignore. Whose example example am I? And let me ask you, am I setting a Christ like example? Am I living in front of these guys like Christ would want me to? I've been married 22 years. Is my marriage an example of what Christian marriage looks like? Because I'm an elder, and just like I read in 1 Peter, as an elder, we're to be an example. And I, and, and I said this to David Bear this week. And even when I said this, because David and I get all excited because we, we are those guys, we preach at each other. And he said, oh my gosh, that's convicting because he's an elder. And he wants to be a good example. You should want to be a good example, even if you're not an elder. Moms and dads, older brothers and older sisters, are you being a good example? Are you living a life that you could say, yeah, follow me as I follow Christ? Or are you compromising Are you stained with sin and bad things? Are you not walking in the fruits of the spirit? What example are you setting? God, have mercy on us and help us because scripture is very clear. We grow by examples. Teaching is one thing. Example is everything. Okay? Who do you trust as God's example for you? Who do you trust? as God's example for you. This puts some work on us, doesn't it? This is why we church hop and we go to different places, do all that. And I, I'm not, I've left churches too, I get that. That's why one of the things, if you, if you don't trust the people that are leading your church, why are you there? I really believe that. I've been an elder for a while and ever since I've been at Cobblestone, there's always this undertone. And don't get me wrong, the elders are not perfect. Not perfect guys. Growing, changing, praying, we meet, we talk. We hold each other accountable. We lean into each other. We say, am I doing this wrong? And that is happening in this church. But there also has to be a place and a time that cobblestone starts to say, this, this murmuring If murmuring I don't want to trust my leadership. Why are you here? I honestly have left churches before, and this is the God honest truth. I'm being so transparent with you because I didn't trust the leadership. Because I want to trust the people that are speaking into my life. I want to look at them and say, that's an example. Of Jesus. I can read Jesus. I could see Jesus. Is that guy or is that girl? Is that family acting like Jesus? That's how I measure it. what I want. It's what you should want. And that will make some of you say, I gotta talk to the elders. I gotta figure out. And that's okay. We we lovingly wanna talk about it. Why don't you trust? Where's the break? Is have you been church hurt? Are you bringing baggage? Maybe there's some wonderful God ministry that can happen to heal your heart. And, and, and people leave and they go to this place and they go to that place. And church hurt, David bears on this a lot. And we, 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 so many people are church hurt. And, and, and I honestly got to preach into that because if you've been hurt by a leader, then you struggle trusting leaders. If you've been hurt by an elder and you trust, you, you, it, if you've been hurt by your father in your family, I mean, this is, this is, this is social stuff then it's going to be hard to trust men. Women have a, that's, that's reality. But what I want to encourage you as an elder of this church is don't let the hurt or the distrust dictate where God has you and what God wants to do in your life. You got to get real. You got to get humble. You got to let the Lord work in you and work through you. And you got, there's some things you may have to let go and there's some things you may have to grow in. But face it, deal with it. Ask those big questions. Why don't I trust? if you don't? And then do. Why do I trust? Okay. I love you, church. That's why I'm saying these things. Okay. Heavy, isn't it? Do you trust leadership? Why or why not? Now look at Hebrews 13. I'm not just making this up and I'm not trying to preach to, to control you guys. I'm not trying to give you all a bunch of beatings on you submit to your elders. I don't want you to hear any of that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to talk like the Bible would have us talk and build as the Bible would have us build and follow the Lord as the Bible would have us follow the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13, verse seven. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he goes into verse nine, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Back in their day, they were always trying to tie, you know, the, your holiness connected to your diet. Like, you know, cause that's the Jewish way. Like, well, you eat this way and that's, and so sometimes that's the big idea of leaders. You need someone in your life that says you're buying into something that's unhealthy. That's a little crazy. And you need to kind of step away from that. Remember your leaders. Now this isn't just elders. I don't, don't hear me on this. Don't, or don't hear me on this. Hear me on this. It's not just your church and your elders. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. How'd you become a Christian? Who spoke to you? I was a young life leader. I wasn't an elder when I first, but I led some people to the Lord. And then they started like listening to Heather and I. It's just the way it works. Discipleship. And some of you have people in your life that you're not up here. You're not preaching and pastoring or anything like that. But you also have people that you're discipling. You have people in your life that you're pouring into. You are considered their leader. Okay. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life. That's another thing. Consider the outcome of their way of life. How are they living? How are they behaving? How are they talking? How are they walking? Consider it, measure it, count it, work on it. And then let's turn it on you, Christian. I love you. So you got to hear this. God's called you to be someone's leader. How are you doing? Are you speaking the word of God? Are you considering the outcome of your life and your way of life? Are you living a faith life that someone could imitate? As he says, imitate their faith. Are you living a life that's imitatable? Am I, living, am I living a life that's imitatable? When these two look at me, am I living and behaving and walking and talking in closed doors when we talk in our house? And they know this, I'm really big into this, really big into this because I grew up in a lot of critical uh, atmosphere and we'll just leave it there. They know and they actually bust my chops on it. They're like, dad, you're too nice about everyone because I hate when people close the doors and go home and they start tearing and they start beating and they start, did you know I don't like that place, those people, hey man, if we go down that path, you're going to devour each other. Be warned on that. Don't do that. When you close the door and you're driving home, what do you say about us? What do you say about others? How do you communicate to your kids? Do you ever look at them and say, I shouldn't have said that? I'm trying to be an example. I'm not perfect. I lose my temper. I say stupid things. I do things. And they they are they, they actually like to study me. They, they, last week, I went up and got Ed to pray for me. And uh, I was just having some 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 stuff in my life where I was just feeling kind of weighted down. This being an elder is not easy, okay? Just not. Pray for me. Pray for us, guys. This is just a tough role. Um, anyways, they were like on the way home. Why do you think Dad went and got prayer? You know? And they were like like taking bets on it. Like, do you think this? Do you think that? And then and then we had about three options and. And I told him, I was honest with him because I, I, I'm not trying to be an example. An example is honest. I need Christ. I mess up. I, I, I'm a human, right? And I want them to see that example. Dad's not perfect. Dad gets beat up, wore out, tired, cries a lot. They know that. You all know that. Good God, get, a, get, get his emotions in control. Is there a timer? There's probably a timer set. Josh, is there a timer set for me crying yet? It's coming. So <laughs> it's a thing. Anyways, we move on. I want you to flip over. Oh, my Bible has to flip over. But look at 1317. Now, this is tough. And, I, and I, would, I would say this, but I would caution against this to my kids and to you guys. Because it's heavy and it's scary. And you've got to make sure you're in the right place with the right people. Obey your leaders. 17 says, obey your leaders. Make sure. It's kind of like what Heather and I always talked. As Christians, we always talk to faith. Um, and our other daughters, like marrying the man is a big deal because the Bible's pretty clear about wives submit to their husbands. And I know that like, ah, but it is, it's pretty clear. So pick the right guy. Pick the guy that you're not afraid to submit to. Pick the guy that loves Jesus and will lead you. Pick a guy worthy to submit to would be my, my, my teaching on that. And that's what we try. That's, that's real talk, right? So I would say your leaders, make sure you're in the right place, doing the right, like really, obey your leaders submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. Do you believe that? That God has people in your life that love you and pray for you and think of you and are actually assigned by him to watch over your soul? Cobblestone, we have that here. We are not perfect, but we have that here. The nine guys I meet with, we pray, we spend time. We want to love you well. We are looking out for your walk, your talk. We want to lead you well. We want to love you into, into deeper, more real, more robust relationships with Jesus. Is that good? Is that healthy? Yes. I praise God that I have finally in my life a circle of guys that I do trust. I've been on some leadership teams that I'm not and, and that's okay, but this is a group that's, that God's doing a work in. Perfect no, don't hear me on any of that. We're working it out. Okay, obey your leaders, submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. And sometimes this is for kids and parents and, 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 and so on and so forth. As those who have to give an account, we have to give an account. An elder has to give an account. A leader has to, if you guys are called to leadership, you have to give an account. Moms and dads, you have to give an account for how you behaved with those kids and loved them and managed them and, and grew them. Bosses, I really believe this for work. You're gonna, we're gonna. Andrew talked about this with the rewards. It's like this idea that if we're not gonna all hear, "Good job, good faithful servant," that scares me. We're not. Praise God, we get to heaven. Praise God, He's gracious, and praise God that salvation is a gift, right? But how are we doing? What are we doing? How are we behaving with all the things He's given us? Anyways, let them do this with joy, and not with groaning but that would be of no advantage to you. The people in your life, past, present, and future, do they find it a joy to love you, to lead you, to pastor you? Do they find you a joy? This is for you, real talk. Do they find it, are you a joy to lead? Or are you always, are you always rebelling? Are you always getting mixed up into sin? Are you always causing problems? I mean, this is a question I ask for myself. The people that have led me, my first pastor was Pastor Steve, and he was a marvelous man. I loved him. He taught me how to do relational ministry, which if you know me at all, that's, that's my jam. I want to know you. I want everybody in this church to be best friends. <laughs> it's not going to happen, but I want it. Um, I just love when people love people. I just love when people just grab arms and just let things go, and we all love and work together. Anybody who knows me, I think, would say amen to that. But anyways, and... Let them do this with a joy, not with groaning, for they would be, that would be no advantage to you. Are you a joy to lead? Are you a joy? And then who are you leading? And are they a joy? Talk about it, guys. Philippians 3.17 says, Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. There it is again. It's everywhere in this New Testament. Brothers, join in imitating me. Paul's saying to the Philippians, Join in imitating Paul. Keep your eyes, that's our fixation. What are we focused on are those who walk according to the example you have in us? And I would ask you once again, it's a redundant question. Are you living a life that others could fix their eyes on you and follow? If they never had a Bible given to them, are they seeing the Bible in front of them when they watch you? Are they? Are they seeing it in me? I'm around some pretty rough guys and some pretty rough circles with with my job. And I like to, I'm asking the Lord all the time, help me to be an example of Christ. Like Jesus out there fixing dents, dang it. You know, I'm a dent guy, fix dents. And I'd like to think that they're seeing Jesus in me. I hope, it's a, it's, a, it's a prayer. Who are you imitating and who's imitating you? Are your eyes on those walking according to the example? What has got your focus right now? Some of you are like, we get hung up on different teachings. We get hung up on this. And especially right now, there's eschatology teachings. Everyone wants to know when Jesus is coming back. At the end of the day, sometimes we just need to fix our eyes on someone that's just living Christ-like on Monday, right? And Tuesday and Wednesday and so on and so forth, right? Listen to those people. Trust that God has those people in your life. Really seek the Lord to find out who they are and then walk with them. All right, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. I want you to turn there with me. I'm not too far from being done, so bear with me. I know it's a, it's a little lengthy in some of this. I didn't really want to cut a lot of it out because I felt like it was good to, to hear. And Andrew goes long, so I'm like, hey, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Andrew. 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, 5, let's see, 5 through 7. There again, because our gospel came to you, not only in the word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. That's a wonderful gospel coming to any church or any people anyways, that the gospel, the good news of Christ came in power, Holy Spirit, and full of conviction. I would say as a church, that's our hope that we live this way, that when you go to work, that you walk in power, the Holy Spirit, and full of conviction. Isn't that good? Good. I mean, that's what they came in and that's what he was imitating or wanted them to imitate. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. That's the other thing. Like I said, you can't just take everyone at face value. You just can't. You'll be deceived. Prove. Look at the people that are living out, praying, use your discernment. Men, we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us And of the Lord, for you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Love that. They received the word, much affliction or pain with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example. Did you see it? Follow our example so that you become examples. So that you become an example to all the believers in Macedonia, Macedonia and Achaia or however you want to pronounce it. But once again, who are you imitating? Who's imitating you? And the third and final point in this message is this, Jesus sends. Jesus sends. Jesus calls, Jesus appoints. Jesus sets an example. Jesus sets the example. He gives you something to look at and walk like, talk like, be like, lead like. Now, Jesus in the reading plan this week, the last thing I set in front of you is, is Jesus sends. Jesus sends. Mark 6 and of course, he sends his 12, and it's a beautiful story. Mark 6, 7. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Lots of good teaching in there, but I'm not going into it for time's sake. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Okay? Remember, they're obeying Jesus. They were trained by Jesus. Jesus... And he started his ministry. He started preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven. You see the example in everything they're doing. Jesus not only told them to do it, but he showed them how. He showed them how, and it's okay to not know how. This really does create some more labor and work and one-on-one, life-on-life type of ministry, showing people how Jesus did it. They didn't go out and they'd be like, hey, I wonder how you proclaim uh, and call people to repentance. No, they watched it done. They knew what to say because they had watched Jesus say it. They cast out many demons. You know, that's scary business. But they knew what to do with demons because they watched Jesus deal with demons, right? They didn't go out there and be like, well, the sons of Sceva is another story where they weren't really followers and they tried to cast demons out and they really got their butt kicked by some demonic. Another story about that. But but these guys knew, okay, I've watched Jesus do it. Jesus has given me authority to do it. I guess we can do it. And they go out and guess what? Demons get cast out. That's pretty cool. That was an example. They had it. My Bible switched here. They went out, proclaimed the people should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. It's crazy, isn't it? They literally were doing what Jesus did. And yes, they did it in his power and in his name. And yes, they did it in his authority and they were being sent, but they saw it done. It's an example of Christianity and we must live and walk and talk and be an example. And if I'm 100% and not to to oversell this or overpush this, but I'm just gonna be 100% honest with this guy right here, one of my selfish reasons of coming to this conference and I may not grow in this, I may not learn anything more. I just won't, I may not. But one of my selfish reasons is because I've laid hands on lots and lots of sick people and I've seen lots of people pass away. And if I can learn any kind of example on how to hear the spirit better or how to grow, if there is a grow, if I can grow, if there is a grow, I want to grow in healing. You know that? That's why I'm going to be there because this guy claims to have seen things that I want to see. This man's doing things with Christ that I'm like, well, daggone it. I love Jesus. I know how to preach. I know how to do some of these things, but I want to grow in some of that. And I know enough about scripture to know that you don't get where you got to get without examples. That's the way God grows us. That's the way God teaches us. And I know enough to know that. And so I want to watch an example and then me and a few of the other elders, we may even go travel with them for a day or two or whatever, they don't know that. But I might, I'm praying because I just wanna watch someone go into a hospital room. I wanna see more. I've been there, I've prayed the prayers. And don't get me wrong, I don't wanna get weird and chasing healings. I wanna do the gospel work, but I do believe God heals people. I do believe the supernatural follows God's people. I do. We are a continuous church. We've solidified that here at Cobblestone. That means the gifts are for today and they're at work. We wanna grow in them, we wanna understand them. We wanna use them correctly and right. That's a big heart of this whole example thing. And I want you guys in your walk to be able to come to the elders and be like, be like, I know I'm dealing with this and we're like, oh, here's how to deal with it. Come, follow me, this works. We love you guys, love this church. I'm excited about where God's taking us and what he's doing with. So worship team, if you wanna come, I'm going to say some prayers and I'm just going to challenge you guys. This is not a big response message, um, but it is a message that needs responded to. That makes sense. And I want you guys to hear, as the worship team starts to play, I want you to just ask Jesus a couple quick questions and sit there and if you need prayer, there'll be prayer team. I want you to ask this. Who's my example? And you ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me who to focus on, who to set my eyes on. If it's cobblestone, great. If it's another church, great. I'm not, I don't care. I want you to go where God wants you, where you will flourish, where you will grow, where God will do a thing in you through, and you will have an example that you trust and love. Okay? I mean that. I want you to say, Lord, who's our example? What's our example? Show me. And then, second thing, I want you to close your eyes. And, and for young people, old people, all people, I want you to ask, Lord, who am I the example to? And how's that going? And I pray you pray conviction on yourself. I pray you pray conviction on yourself. It's a wonderful place to be. Just a humble spirit saying, Lord, convict me of where I need to change, what I need to do differently to be a godly example for my kids for my community, for my coworkers, for my family, for my church. Those two things, I would would, would humbly ask you to submit those to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit do what he does in identifying and growing you in that. So let's pray. Father, we do, we just take a moment and we let the word just, just hit us, And I would ask you, Lord Jesus, to first, as an elder, I'd say, pray, Lord. I pray for us elders. Help us to be a good example. Where we have not, forgive us, Father. Forgive me, forgive us. Help us to be the example that is pleasing to you for this church. And then, Father, as the people that all cobblestone their home, Lord Jesus, grow them. Help them. Help them to be the example. Help them to be excited that they're learning and they're growing and that their surroundings are seeing them and and whether it's young or old people watching them, that they're able to just set a beautiful Christ-like example. Help us, Jesus. Father, we submit to you the big, scary, tough word. We submit as a church to you. We dedicate this church again and again. Lord, lead us. Lord, help us. Lord, show us. Show us who we are supposed to be. Not them there and those there. Help us to be who we're called to be. Help us to walk. Mm, Thank you for that. Father, I pray a blessing on everybody here grow us, work on us, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.